You're listening to the Adventures in Capeland podcast. This podcast is designed to share my experience of running a part-time cake business to help you run yours. Greetings from Adventures in Capeland. Another month, another episode. And how are we all doing? How has October been for you? I hope it's been good. I hope it's been profitable and busy. So, the topic of today's podcast is niche, to niche or not to niche, I should say. And the reason why, we're going to get to further down in the episode, but I've been giving it some real consideration over the past few weeks. And the reason why I really believe it's a good thing for your business and why I'm finding now that it's really working for me. But before we get to all of that, we're going to focus on the month of October and what I've been up to in the business. So in a previous episode, I've spoken about how I believe that my business is what I call an autumn-winter business because when it gets to September, October, the orders start coming in, the sales start going through the roof, it, it gets quite busy. And October has proven my point because I have been so busy. So a couple of weeks ago, in one week, I had a two-tier wedding cake, another wedding cake order for 300 cupcakes with a top-tier cake, I did the heart-shaped cake and with the black buttercream. So if your ears have just pricked up and you said wedding cake, but you don't do wedding cakes, you would be right. Um, The wedding cake that I did started off as a single tier and then the bride contacted me some months before and wanted to turn it into a two tier and I think she made the right choice. It looked lovely. I was really, really pleased with this cake. But let me tell you about my little dream about this cake. So I can't be the only cake maker that has dreams about cakes and disasters happening. So I am not a centre dowel girl. I'm not a centre dowel. I'm like, put the dowels in the cake, space them out correctly, and then put your top tier on top and off you go. I have never set up a cake at a venue. I have travelled with cakes stacked two, three um, tiers, never had a problem and never done a centre dowel. And I put a little poll on my Instagram stories whether people use centre dowels. And 75% of people don't use them. And I'm quite surprised because I thought everybody was doing it and I was the exception. But anyway, so for some reason, I decide, you know what? This is a two tea cake. I'm going to start, I'm going to do the centre dowel thing. So I ordered myself a nice thick centre dowel from Lissy Lou. And I do all the prep and I insert it into the bottom tier of the cake. And it sits there overnight. So I go to bed Thursday night And the dream that I had was that I lowered the top tier onto the cake and the cake split in half. So I woke up Friday morning and this is the day that I've got to stack the cake. And for me, it was like, that's a sign. That is a sign to stick to what you know. Don't use this centre dial, stick to what you know. So I removed the centre dial, replaced it with my ordinary dial and the other dials were already in the bottom of the cake. And I put the top tier on the cake, secured it like I do with a bit of white chocolate, transported the cake, no issue. And that was a sign for me to stick to what you know. Because the centre dial thing, I think it's quite a new phenomenon over the past, I don't know, four or five years. And I've never used it. And for me, that's a sign that I'm never going to use it again. So um, I didn't want my cake spitting in half, but it was so vivid. But anyway, the cake um, was lovely. The bride was really happy. It had like sage green and white and some flowers. I tend to use silk flowers as opposed to... um, fresh or make my own I can do sugar flowers but it's the most boring task ever I mean the time that you have to take to do sugar flowers I just I just it's not I'm not a fan put it that way 
So, and I always make sure I give my silk flowers a really good wash before I'm, I put them on the cake and let them dry, etc. But she was really, really pleased. And then the other cake that I did, I mentioned that I was going to do a heart-shaped cake because these are the cakes that have been trending and I got an order for one. But the difference with this one was that it was a black cake. Now, if you're listening, you know the effort that goes into making black buttercream. Two buttercreams that are always tricky, deep red and a very dark black. And we wanted it shiny, we wanted it glossy. So... I was making my buttercream and it came out sort of, it was sort of grey. So I thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to try the bloom method where you heat up the buttercream. Now, I don't have a microwave because one, I prefer to have extra space in my kitchen and two, I'm not a huge fan of microwaves. I don't know why, but I'm just not a huge fan of them. So I thought I'm going to do the bloom method, but I'm going to do it over a bain-marie. So, you know, water, simmering and then my pan over it. And I divided my buttercream into three portions and then took my time and in 10 seconds spurt, heated up the buttercream. And it was like magic. This just black buttercream just became, just came out of nowhere, basically. I was really pleased with it. It did seem like it did split a little bit. But what I did was I cooled it down and I beat it up again and I used it and it was phenomenal. So if you want to use intense colours on your buttercream cakes, I cannot recommend the Bloom Method highly enough. It was, it was amazing. I was gobsmacked at how well it worked. And then my other wedding cake order was a cupcake tower, or rather two cupcake towers. The bride wanted 300 cupcakes and she had two top tier cakes as well. And they were both different designs because not only was she getting married, but she was celebrating a milestone birthday as well. So she had seven flavours. So I'm going to see if I can remember them without looking at a piece of paper. She had eaten mess lemon meringue, a caramel biscoff, a chocolate maltese, a chocolate Oreo cookie. She had a vegan pineapple coconut lime. And there's one more flavour. And I, oh, raspberry white chocolate popcorn. She had seven flavours. And this was a lot of work, as you can imagine, for 300 cupcakes. But everything went swimmingly. Because it was such a busy week for me, I had to take, a, I took a few days on your leave. And I don't normally do that anymore. I have done that in the past when I used to do wedding cakes. But because there was so much work I had to do, I needed to have four days to work on all these orders. So I took a few days out of my annual leave allocation and worked on the cakes and it went really well. Until we get to the venue and, um, you know, you communicate with the bride, you communicate with the venue. And I was told I, they were getting married around midday. I heard that from the bride and I rang up the venue and they said you can get there before. So I got there for about 10 o'clock. And I got to the venue, getting ready to set up. My sister came with me and I was told that I can't set up the cake. And I said, oh, oh, is that because they're getting married in the same room? Which I had an inkling of anyway. And he says, yeah. I said, okay, so there's nowhere I can set it up at all. He says, no. I said, okay, well, can I leave them anywhere? So I don't have to go away and take them all back with me. So I could take them to a kitchen that they had upstairs in this hotel and we could use the goods lift and everything. But then the thing, the problem was that I had this two-tier cake to also deliver on the same day. So I came back home with my sister. My sister kindly took the cake for me. She's delivered a few cakes here and there for me when I've been stuck. And she took it. And this was, the venue was about an hour away from where I live. So she safely took it. I told her what to do when she got there, how to unbox the cake. She sent me some pictures. She was an absolute star, a little angel. She came back to the venue to help me set up the cakes so uh, I went back to the venue 
for about, I don't know, quarter to two and was able to set up the cakes as they're putting, getting the room ready for their wedding breakfast. And one thing that I said to the organiser, well, he wasn't the organiser, but one of the staff members was I asked him, does this happen a lot then? Because I'm thinking it must do. He said it did. And he said that they usually, the staff have to put the wedding cake into situ. Now, as we know, if there was any damage to that cake, that venue would be liable. And the, the gentleman said that they didn't really like doing it. So I said to him, well, if you don't like doing it, I think you need to clearly communicate to your bride what time wedding cake makers can bring their cakes. Because sometimes we've got more than one cake to deliver, so we're not able to come back or we've got places to be. So we need to know. So there was no problem for me to get there at quarter to two. If I knew that, that's what I would have done in the first place. But there's no point going to a venue early, being told that you can't set up the cake. It, was, it, it wasn't cool. And there was another lady there as well that was... And bring us some other cake. And she was having the same issue as well. So this is to all venues. Just communicate with your bridal party. What time us cake makers can bring our cake. Because we don't necessarily want somebody else moving our cakes about. And I know that with the Cupcake Tower, it was not to be moved once it's set up. But once it was set up, it looked beautiful. I was really pleased with it. And I've put a couple of pictures on the Instagram page of the two tea cake and the cupcake tower so you can see but I was really really pleased with how they turned out so for the rest of the month as well I have got some orders booked in and like I said um autumn winter is such busy months for me it's I'm, I'm definitely it's it's a definitely a seasonal thing for me but um now that we've reflected on the month of October let's talk about what's trending so for me, the only thing that I've really seen trending this month is hashtag Caketober. So if you haven't seen this, this is a little social media prompt guide that is run by the Little Cherry Cake Company, who makes some amazing cakes, by the way. And she's got um, a YouTube channel and she's got merch. She's got some really good work. But basically, she's got a list of prompts to use on social media. So it's from day one to day 31 of October. And she's got different prompts like yellow pastel bear um nut cake and so people just post up and if you follow the hashtag it's been really interesting and lovely to see how people interpret the prompts and how they've used them so for me I think that's been the biggest trend that I've seen because most accounts that I follow have um taken part I was keeping up to date really really well until I had my busy busy cake week and then I sort of fell off a fell off a cliff but um for this, the last week of October, I'm hoping to take part again and um, just share. But it's been a really fun thing to take part in, actually. I've really enjoyed it. So for me, that's been the biggest trend that I've seen to date. But also on TikTok, on my For You page, I've been seeing a lot of a lady called The Icing Artist. I don't know if anybody's heard of her. She's also got a YouTube channel. But um, I wouldn't say she's trending, but trending for me because she's just been showing up on my For You page a lot. But basically what she does, she's critiquing other cake makers' cakes. So what she does, she approaches usually three bakeries and gives them a budget, $500, $600, and gives them a theme. So she's had things like Christmas or gravity-defying cakes, and she gives them free reign to come up with whatever they want. And then the cakes arrive, they're a total surprise, and she takes her time and critiques them. And it's really interesting because as cake makers, we look at cakes with a different eye from... Our customers do, don't we? We look to see how 
things have been done, the finish, etc. So that's the kind of eye that she's looking at them with. And she gets so excited by some of these and some of the cakes that these people turn out are phenomenal with for the budget that she gives them. So that's been really nice. So I wouldn't say it's trending, but for me, it's just been showing up, the icing artist, she's just showing up a lot on my For You page. So now that we've covered October and what's trending, it's now time to get on with the main portion of the show. So to niche or not to niche. So this is something over the past, I don't know, maybe three or four years that I've been trying to focus on and really drill down harder into what I do and what I enjoy. And it's it's made me really reflect back on my journey with niching, as I would say. So um, probably back in about 2015 or 2016, um, there was a seemed to have been a mass exodus of cake makers moving away from doing celebration cakes and to just do wedding cakes. Um, if you listen to this, you might recall there was a real heavy sort of stampede of it. People, cake makers were realising that actually they were going to make a lot more money doing wedding cakes and they could probably do fewer fewer cakes but earn more of an income from it. So that, that sort of was the reason why there was this mass exodus. And I was observing this and I was thinking, oh, this is a bad idea, this is. Why is everybody doing this? You're missing out on all this opportunity of doing all these amazing cakes for children and birthday cakes and cake pops and macarons. And then after I sort of was thinking it was a bad idea, I started to think, had that sort of like herd mentality and started to think, hmm, maybe I should be doing this. Maybe I should be niching down into wedding cakes. And then I suddenly thought, no, 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 Um I like doing what I do. I haven't got time to be leashing down to do wedding cakes. So it, it, so from then, I thought, no, this is a bad idea. Um, some of the cake makers that took made that transition are still going today. Some are not, you know, not running their business as um, a wedding cake business. But what I found for me personally over the five over the past five years or so. I kind of get it. I kind of get why people wanted to niche down and drill down so hard and just do what they enjoy because niching down for me helps you find your ideal customer. And I'm starting to really see that at the moment with the kind of cakes that I'm doing. So with the cupcakes, I've always done them, always done the flavours and the celebration cakes, but I did a different, used to do a different style. And a few weeks ago, I was approached by a lady who wanted a sugar paste cake and she was recommended to me. I'm not sure who recommended her, but basically she wanted a cake with a motorbike and a gentleman, a husband, I think it was, on top of the cake. When I opened up the email and I saw it, I instantly started to twitch and was on the back foot because it's like, no, 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 I don't want to do this cake. I don't want to do this cake because, number one, I don't do sugar paste anymore. Number two, I hate doing my doors. I'm just not one of those naturally gifted sculptor type people. I can't do my doors. I've done them in the past. I'm not too bad at doing characters, but doing people, I just can't do it. The facial features and I think everybody expects it to be like carbon copy of the picture that they give you and I just hate doing it. So, I removed all of these kind of cakes from my Instagram and my website. So when this lady messaged me, I said there was one or two things I could do. I was either going to lie to her and say, no, I can't do it because I'm fully booked. Or I was going to tell her the truth. And I thought, I'm going to tell her the truth. And I'm just going to say, you know, thank you for your email. 
But um, sadly, um, I don't. I no longer make this style of cake. And so I emailed her, and then she emailed me back, and she said, "Oh, so you won't be able to do it?" And I says, "I won't be able to do it because I don't think I'm going to be able to deliver to do what you want me to do. I'm, it's not going to look how you want it to look. Um, I don't do this kind of cake. It's not my style anymore." If you have a look at my Instagram and my website, you will see the style of cake that I do. So unfortunately, on this occasion, I won't be able to prepare you a quote. And I didn't hear from her again, so that was fine. But let me tell you the sense of empowerment that I felt with making that decision and sending that email was phenomenal. I finally felt like, yes, you're exactly where you want to be. And it's working in that Yes, I attracted this lady, she was recommended, but unfortunately I had to push that order away because it's no longer what I do. I don't enjoy doing those kind of cakes. That is not my style of cake. So the empowerment that I felt from saying no was, um, it, it made me feel good. It made me feel confident in what I was doing. And the reason why I'm thinking niching is really finally working for me is because I'm getting the kind of orders from the kind of customers for the kind of cakes that I want to do. So the cupcake towers, I really enjoy. For some people, it would be an absolute nightmare, but I really enjoy making them. I enjoy doing the flavours. I love the way that they look. I love the way they present. And I'm starting to attract the kind of customers that want that kind of cake. And if you recall back to further episodes of this podcast where I was talking to Lou Finn about the wedding cakes that she makes and how they're very unique. She's got a very specific style. She attracts a certain type of customer that's into the MCU and things like that. She's attracting that type of customer. And it takes time to do that. It takes time to put in the work to to get that customer to come to you. But I feel for me, finally, it's working. And that's why I really believe that niching is starting to work and it encourages me to drill down even harder and to perfect what I'm doing. And because I'm doing it so often, I'm just perfecting what I do. So hopefully my cupcake is, I hope it's the best cupcake that I can make and the buttercream is the best Italian buttercream I can make because I keep doing it and I keep perfecting it, perfecting it. And a couple of examples of people that do this kind of thing is, a non-cakey one is where there's a restaurant in London. I'm not even going to attempt to, to say the name without butchering it. But basically, all they do is sell steak and chips. You might have seen it on social media. You can't book. You have to queue. I think you get a starter, which is a salad. Everybody gets the same thing. And all you get is steak and chips. I don't think you can request how it's cooked. I think they just cook it how they cook it. So it's probably medium. And they have the sauce. And then you can get a second portion. And I see this and I think, God, that sauce must taste amazing. Because if that's all that they do, they're perfecting that sauce, they're perfecting that operation and how they work. So it must be so slick and so streamlined. And it must be working because people are always queuing around the block for it. So that's an example of a non-cakey thing. But a bakery or a cake-related bakery that I've seen and the examples I'm going to give here are two two ends of the spectrum. It's one called Cream London, and then the other one is called The Last Crumb. So Cream London make cookies. They make these really chunky cookies. I've ordered a box. I ordered a box for one of my birthdays because as cake makers, we never get people making us cakes. But I ordered a box, and they come in these pretty 
really solid pink box with their branding on it and you flip open the top and I ordered six cookies which I think cost £24 or you can get a box of 12 for 40 So they're not the cheapest cookie, but they are more of a premium product. And so, again, they're doing one thing, but they're just doing it extremely well. They haven't got like tons of flavours either, but they're just doing it really well. And the other example of that is still with cookies, but this one is at the other end of the spectrum and they're called The Last Crumb. And they do what I would consider a high-end premium luxury top of the top of top tier cookies because they sell a box of cookies for 140 to 150 dollars. Now I have seen this on my for you page coming up over the years, and there is a TikToker, and I can't think of his name, but it's going to come to me. And he reviews small businesses, small food businesses, and he's reviewed these cookies as well. But there's lots of influencers that do it. But they sell 12 cookies for $140 and $150. But this is an experience. They, the packaging, they come in a black box. They come with like a booklet of how to eat them. It comes with a syringe, things to put into the cookies. It's a whole experience. But they're just doing one thing but they're just doing extremely well. And they've done it so much so that they can charge a premium for it because they do their cookie drops and they're quite exclusive when they do them. So people are almost anticipating that, but they're just making a cookie, individually wrapped cookies in a beautiful wrap box, but they're just doing it extremely well. So, you know, when people are thinking about starting a business, just do pick one or two things, but just do it extremely well because I think... It it can take time, but your ideal customer will find you in the sort of like field of dreams, build it and they will come. And I really, really believe in that. So for me, with the cupcakes moving forward and the celebration cakes, I'm going to try and draw down even harder and try to maybe have more of an experience. I've sourced different boxes. I use packing tape and labels on my boxes, the little cards inside. I'd love to do a booklet, but the cupcakes are going to have to be more standardised. And so I really want to drill down harder. And I've mentioned about celebration cakes and how I want to have like a very cohesive look for them. And I think I'm going to try, maybe in the new year, work on that a little bit harder. But yeah, niching, I think, is definitely something that all cake makers need to consider because it really does differentiate you as well and stand out in the crowd. It can be a slow burn, but I think it's totally worth it. So before I end this episode, I just want to wish everybody that's entering Cake and Bake International this year the very best of luck. It is going to be amazing. Cake International has got to be the most intimidating competition on the face of the earth. And I myself have entered Cake International. I have put a cake. Oh, excuse that. That's my timer. I've actually got a cake in the oven while I'm, I'm doing this. But anyway, um... Cake International, I actually entered, I actually got to put a cake on the black tablecloth, but I don't know what I was thinking because I decided I single-handedly was going to bring raw icing back and decided I wanted to do a three-tier raw icing cake. I don't know what I was thinking. So my three-tier raw icing cake was in the style of Renny McIntosh. That was the inspiration for it. It was a cake that I did when I was at college, but not with raw icing, but I did the run-out work. But a few weeks before Cake International, my sister, who helped me deliver the cake, had a baby and I was so excited. And as an auntie, I wanted to, you know, 
go and see my little nephew and etc. Then I got distracted and so I didn't pay enough attention to this cake and really I should have pulled out but I thought no I'm going to soldier on I'm going to enter Cake International I'm going to take this cake and I was really proud of it but obviously it's an international competition the standards are extremely high and so I didn't place um didn't think I would to be honest I would have been very surprised if I had put it that way but um, nevertheless it was a very inspirational competition to enter and I was very proud that I did whether I do it again I don't know I'm probably more likely to enter Bake International than Cake International but I'm looking forward to going I'm hoping to probably be going on the Saturday or the Sunday so if you recognize my face and you see me please come up and say hello but I just want to wish everybody that's entering the very best of luck I'm looking forward to seeing all the entries the best in shows winner everything so um if you are going let me just give you a few tips. First of all, wear layers, especially if you're a woman of a certain age. Just wear layers because it does get really warm in there. You might want to take your own packed lunch because sometimes I find the food in there very expensive. Wear comfortable shoes. Extremely important. Wear comfortable shoes because you're going to certainly be getting your steps in and you're probably going to be closing that um, green ring on your Apple Watch as well. So um, take comfortable, wear comfortable shoes. Um, some people take a trolley to buy all the stuff that they want to buy but my top tip is make a list of what you want um or what you need rather than what you want there is a difference because the amount of things that I have brought from Cake International and I've never seen the light of day I've never used them they're just still in my drawers downstairs so um make a list of what you you need rather than what you want that is my top tip but if you see a bargain well you know you know how it goes anyway. But yeah, so those are my top tips really. But um, and but if you do go, have a lovely time. It's an amazing day. And I've never been to the Bake International side, so I'm hoping to visit that because I do enjoy baking. But yeah, that's Cake International, the biggest cake event of the year. So that's all from me for this month. But thank you for listening and catch you again in November where we're going to have a guest episode. Bye.